Hello, hello, reimaginers, and welcome back to the recap show, NWSL Championship Edition, episode two. This is our second episode in three days, and we are loving it. We hope that you are too. The NWSL is heating up, and so is the recap show. So, as always, Tobin is going to start with the sports. Welcome to the sports. The NWSL finals is upon us. Happening this Saturday, November 11th at Snapdragon Stadium in San Diego, the fourth place team, OL Reign, are taking on the sixth place team, Gotham FC. Unofficially, this is being called the Battle of the Living Legends, as Gotham's Allie Krieger takes on OL Reign's Megan Rapino. And only one of these players will be able to finish their career on top. So for all the fans, they're going to be in all their feels. All right. So for for those of um, the, those reimaginers out there that are not following really closely and they're going to turn on this NWSL final, I think it would be really fun if we got into Tobin's brain a little bit and you described the playing styles of each of these two teams. Yeah, let's take O.L. Reign, who I would say is a very organized very defensively hard to break down team. They play in a 4-2-3-1, which is a very strong structure. They're very familiar with it. The players that Laura Harvey has given kind of the the helm of this team to are very seasoned in a game like this. Uh, they know what they're up against. They're well organized. They're well trained. Uh, and I don't think we'll see anything much different different from what we saw in the semifinal game. They will try to exploit on the counter where they find their most success in the final third is on crosses with both with Megan Rapino service being key and with the likes of Haitama or Balser in the box that can be deadly. Uh, this is a team that I don't think has any surprises. The one joker could be a Rose Lavelle who is able to bring a little bit of magic and something uh, different to OL's attack. And it seems like she's just peaking at the right time. Ooh, exciting. And then we have the baddies. The baddie girls girls. that we've made up. We don't know if anyone calls them the baddie girls. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, And they seem like a very together bunch. We talked about the vibes Great vibes going into the final, great energy. Mm -hmm. One thing interesting about this team is they play a very high pressing style of attack and defense. Their defense is, I guess their attackers are kind of their best defenders. You have very energetic forwards that are very willing to do the running. And because of that, that's how they start their attack. They're not a team that's going to build really out of the back and build through their midfield. They are very much going to start their attack through their defensive press up front and through chaos. And I think they love the chaos and they want to bring it. So I think that it won't be any surprise to OL Reign, but I think that's where Gotham has found a lot of success. And I would say Gotham has also ha- has, in my opinion, a little bit of the luck going on. They have a little bit of fairy dust, and I don't know where that fairy dust is coming from, but there's a little bit of magic in what they're doing and what they've been able to do this season. And when you have that type of confidence where you feel like things are going 
well for you as a team, it's it's a team that could do anything. They could win an NWSL championship. Well, we know that Gotham finished last in the league last year, so this is already a story, um, a storybook ending, regardless of how the final goes. Yep. Um, and OL is is clearly the more experienced team, and yet neither team has ever won an NWSL championship. Yep. So, so it's exciting. Um, if you're going into this coach and you're thinking about keys to success, coaching tactics. What do you think is going to be the difference maker in the game on Saturday? Yeah, I think if Gotham is able to overwhelm OL's defense, it, it could prove costly. Like if, if OL tries to build out of the back in the traditional fa- fashion and they are a little slow on the ball or they play one too many passes in a small area, Gotham will exploit them. And then it's just a matter of percentage of finishes. And I think that's where Gotham maybe gets it a little bit of wrong. I don't think they're the highest percentage of finishing team with the chances that or the chaos that they create. But I do think that if they're able to keep OL in their half and able to attack in really these like short, impactful bouts that they do, um, they'll be able to punish them. And on the flip side, if they get it wrong, even a couple times, OL does have the precision that can really be harmful. Megan Rapino only needs one, two crosses, and she will be precise. And with the likes of a couple players, particularly Roosevelt coming late into the box, Jess Fishlock even coming into the box, Jordan Heidema and her height, um, it can prove deadly. And you know you're going to get a lot of crosses out of uh, Sofia Horta as well. So it will be coming from both sides of the field. Um, and then I would say in 1v1 battles, I think uh, Gotham, they love to isolate a Lynn Williams, um, a, a Midge Purse on the flank. They love to somehow, and even if they, they encourage them to continue to go at those players, even if there's a turnover, they'd love them to turn over the ball trying to go at the other team as opposed to trying to play, possess, keep the ball, look for an opening. They don't look for an opening, Gotham. They create the openings in order to score. Um, and and that's that's one thing that I would I would keep an eye on. Well, there have not been too many goals in this playoffs. It's been a playoffs of fine margins, which keeps you on the edge of your seat. But I think we're all hoping that uh, there's a downpouring of goals on Saturday. I think it would be really fun. Um, any players in particular that you'd like to highlight, um, players to watch out for in the game? Definitely. I would say on Gotham side, Lynn Williams. She's she's won for the moment. She's been in this, these positions before. I think she's won two, three um, already championships. Um, she is an addition to this squad. We have to remember like the key additions that have happened in this squad. One, Juan Carlos, their coach, and two, Lynn Williams. Those are huge additions. And I would say Ali Krieger, which is, it's kind of crazy to think that, you know, Ali Krieger at her age playing her role in her position would be a key factor, but she has put in a shift all season long and she needs one final big one to push them over the edge. And she will be one of their keys to success because like it or not, like she is a wall that OL Reign will have to get through in order to score. And I would just add to that, like as a former teammate of Allie, there's like no one I would trust more for the moment. Oh my gosh, she will be ready for the (laughs) moment. She will be ready. Yeah. Um, And then on on the flip side, we have um, 
I think there's there's a couple players that need a shout out. Emily Sonnet, both for club and country, has has been fantastic. And what Laura Harvey has been able to get out of her in a new position, in a position actually that she's always kind of flirted with. And I knew that Laura was excited to get Emily Sonnet to try out this position. Anytime you're going to move a traditional center back into a six, you're going to get a solid base in organization, in build-up, in defense. And I think what she's given to that position is allowing a Jess Fishlock a lot more freedom. And if Jess Fishlock has the freedom to dictate what OL is going to do, they're going to be a powerful force. It's a good thing. It's a great thing because she dictates because she can read the game better than anyone else, and she's the most familiar and in sync with the mind, tactics, attitude of what Laura Harvey wants. It reminds me a little bit of Pep and Bernardo Silva. They're very attached and for (laughs) OL to be successful, Jess Fishlock has to be in her zone, which is which is an unstoppable one. Yep. The other thing that you get when you put a traditional center back in a six is a very heavy player because the six has got to be a heck of a lot more fun than being sitting there watching. I mean, your she's team buzzing around, pouring, <laughs> pointing to everyone, give me the ball. It's 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 a lot of fun to watch, and and I'm excited for for that evolution. Well, thank you for all your thoughts. This has been an elongated version of the sports, um, and to finish. I would like to ask you about some predictions. I will say that on the recap show, um, Tobin doesn't have a great track record <laughs> for predictions. I think uh, we're seeing some comments about that. But I would like everyone to know that in real life, in her group of friends and circle, we kind of find her prophetic and she generally calls games really, really well. So I'm calling this the curse of the recap show where your predictions are chronically mm. wrong here. Mm. Um, but all that, just we'll just swell that. We'll keep that in our brains. Okay. And we'll ask you, what is your very wise prediction for the NWSL championship. Okay, okay, I, I see you there. Um, I think predictions, you know, can be tough because it's your head and it's your heart. <laughs> and I think sometimes those two things I'm not able to separate. Um, and there's a lot of heart in this game, right? A lot of heart. Gosh, I, I think I will have to go with Gotham on this and I don't know if it's the Jersey girl coming out of me or something but like I said I think they, they're dancing with some magic and I don't know where it is or where it's coming from but but it's there and and I don't want to go up against the footballing and the tactics and and the experience of an OL reign but for some reason that magic it, that magic in football can be powerful well if you are listening to this on audio you didn't see my um, face of shock <laughs> um, and I'm gonna go with the psychology here of you have up till this point been betting on the best teams and those higher seeds and <laughs> and you haven't been right so now you've reversed that um, and I'll go with uh, an OL <laughs> well, at this point, it's like all the Gotham fans are like, no, the recap show curse. So oh, true. Yeah. Well, I'll reverse that curse or, or neutralize it. Um, and Wait, I love that you're just going with the other team because like there's only two teams. Yeah, I know. Exactly. So I'm just going to go with the recap show curse. That's what I'm betting on. Okay. Um, wow. But all right. I think now it's time to get into the daily discussion. Let's do it. Hey everybody, it's Tobin. This episode is sponsored by Element. As a professional athlete, we're always being told the importance of hydration. 
And it's crucial to not just be hydrated, but to drink electrolytes. So recently I tried Element and I loved the way it tasted and I think it works great. We've gone through a lot of these types of things and Element by far is one of my favorites, especially into the raspberry salt flavor right now. So if you're ever wondering what I'm actually drinking on the recap show, it's that. You can do other things with Element too, if you wanna mix it in a cocktail or to cure a hangover, Um, not like I've ever had one. But basically, whenever you need a salty electrolyte boost with no sugar, coloring, filler, or artificial ingredients, you need Element. And right now, Element is offering a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single serve free packets with any Element order. Eight, that's a lot. And eight different flavors too, which I mean, you're gonna figure out one that you like, and if you don't, you can give a few to a friend. You can get yours today at drinkelement.com slash recap. And remember, the deal is only available through my link. So go to drinklmnt.com slash recap. And the best part is Element offers no question asked refund. If you don't like it, it's totally risk-free. Element will give you your money back. I don't know what kind of deal that is, but it sounds pretty good to me. So you have nothing to lose and only electrolytes to gain which I hear are really important for you as an athlete and as a person and in watching the recap show big thanks to element now back to the show well Tobin as always will you start your timer we um have a 15 minute game here for the daily discussion and if we feel like it we'll go into extra time let's do it All right, so rumor has it that Emma Hayes is um, the current manager of Chelsea Women is going to be the next U.S. Women's National Team head coach. Mm -hmm. Tobin, what's your take? Strong rumor has it. Strong, nearly confirmed. (laughs) Nearly confirmed. As all rumors are. (laughs) Yes, when, when I saw this announcement, I said, I thought to myself, great choice, no brainer. Did I think she was available? Um, No. So then I instantly kind of became a little confused as to the timing of when she would come. But when I think about Emma Hayes and the impact she's had on the women's game and the success that she's had at Chelsea, she's a winner. What makes her a winner? And why do you think that's a key quality for the U.S. Women's National Team coach? Well, I think she took a club and she developed a winning style, a winning culture. She brought in the players that she saw fit that style, both, I think, the psychology of the style, but also the physicality, technical style, tactical style. Um, And I think that she from what I've heard other players say about her, um, is she's a real coach that advocates for her players, advocates for the game. Uh, She is unashamed to want to be the best coach in the world, coach the best team in the world. She thinks she's up for the job. She's not afraid of the task. We know what the task is of the U.S. Women's Ash team. We know what the expectation is. Um, and I think having a coach that's coming in um, that already you get the sense has the confidence to take this team where it is 
and put it back where where the team belongs. Yeah, and speaking of a winner, right? Like there's no job like the U.S. Women's National Team head coaching job. That's a lot of pressure. Um, that's really high expectations. But I think she's been at Chelsea since 2012. I think she's won five championships. I think she was um, the coach that let it was the first team under under her leadership it was the first team that won three championships in a row yeah so it sounds like from a winning perspective she's used to that pressure i think that's important um i like what you said in a row because it's one thing winning a championship right but it's another thing having the expectations of winning again mm -hmm. and winning again and that to me reminds me of the us massage team it's okay to not win a championship. There's plenty of championships that the US Women's Soccer Team hasn't won. But the attitude is that you're gonna win the next one. Mm -hmm. Yep, and then beyond mentality, nobody knows the style and the essence of the US Women's National Team better than you. Why do you think she's a good fit for this group of players? I think she's a fantastic fit because, look, we both played in the WSL. We know the type of Chelsea teams that she's put out. Uh, she's had star-studded rosters. She's had players from all different countries. She plays a style that I would say isn't what we would call this possession-based, attractive uh, style. She plays a style of football that is effective, that's efficient, and it puts her players in the best positions to be successful. And she plays a very, I would say more so than other uh, WSL teams, a very direct style of play. She has a, a prolific goal scorer in Sam Kerr that she has continued to get the best out of. She has players all over the pitch, which I would say are from different countries, have different skills, have different expertise but has brought them together in a singular style and a singular mentality of winning and I would say of that Chelsea team the confidence of knowing what you're trying to do and what makes you successful as a team gives a winning team gives a winning feeling to the entire group and yeah. and that collective understanding of the mission I think she's she's gone spot on there and when I look at the group of players that the U.S. Women's National Team has in this cycle and in this transition, I think she's the right person for the job. So you've said two very interesting things there. First, she's managed egos. She has high profile, some of the highest paid players in the game. That's what you're going to find on the U.S. Women's National Team. Maybe not tomorrow, but over time, that's... Uh, that comes with dominance mm -hmm. and being able to be a coach that manages those personalities, those superstars is essential for the U.S. Women's National Team. Mm -hmm. And the second thing um, that you said to summarize is that um, the style that she coaches just suits us, right? Yes, yes. Um, and that is a certain style, um, an athletic, direct style of play. Interestingly enough, um, I recall when Chelsea played Barcelona in the Champions League final, and you think about Spain winning the the last World Cup and having some dominance. I actually didn't think it was a really good matchup. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they kind of they got crushed by Barca. Mm -hmm. um, and one thing when I think of the styles of plays, I recall that game going like, "Ooh, 
how how successful can the future U.S. women's national team be when we're going to be facing a top opponent in Spain? Yeah, I love that you said that because I think that everybody, you know, football's trendy. The game's changing very fast, like the modern football. And look, we're going into an era where we have this dominance, both on a domestic level with, with Barcelona, but also on an international level with Spain becoming this dominant s- style mm-hmm, currently. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's trendy and right it's now. Connected. And it's connected. <laughs> and I think a lot of people were like, oh, like, U.S. Women's Ash team needs to play like Spain. And um, no, th- no, those no. people don't don't understand <laughs> no. what makes the U.S. Women's Ash team yeah. U.S. Women's Ash team. We do have to evolve. And, but we don't have to evolve into becoming a different team than we currently are. We have to evolve back into our strengths. And that's why I say know your strengths, get and really invest in your strengths and bring in a couple new pieces. And I think what, what Emma Hayes knows is she knows the job. She knows what where the U.S. Women's Nash team is, what their strengths are, what they're lacking. And it seems to me that she would have a clear understanding of the little things to get back to a position of confidence. Because I think at the end of the day, winning is all about confidence. It's about feeling prepared feeling like you're on the same page, that you have the under, same understanding, and knowing that you're better at your opponent than something and going after that again and again because that's how you get confidence. And And I think there's very clear things that we will be better at than every single opponent, and we have to get back to our strengths. I love that you said that. I, um, I think in August after the World Cup, um, Emma wrote a op-ed for Telegraph I don't subscribe to Telegraph, so I couldn't read the actual (laughs) article, but I read a summary of the article, and one of the things she said was that the U.S. team actually looked really stressed. Mm. So I think, um, and that's what we felt. We Mm -hmm. felt like the first minute of the pitch was stressful Mm -hmm. um, to, to the last minute. And so when you talk about developing a style and knowing, um, what did you call it? Super factors. Knowing your super factors mm-hmm. um, and believing that you're you're better in them, that I think was like very apparently lacking this summer. Um, so I really hope that she's able to implement that type of confidence that you share. Yeah, and I think that you can take something, a feeling like stress, and you can change that into an energy that's actually helpful. And doesn't like make us feel um, like we don't even know ourselves anymore as a national team. But I think that 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 feeling of stress there was there will never be more expectations from the outside world for us to see, succeed than what it feels like when you put on that U.S. Women's National Team shirt. The expectations that should be always be the highest are the ones that are in the locker room, mm-hmm. and of course the outside expectations will remain high. But and they should. And I think that as long as we know that what happens, what will allow us to be successful is if we can find confidence in the things that make us the best in the world Mm -hmm. and have a leader that identifies them, trains them, goes after them and knows the players that have them at the core. Yeah, I mean, there's so many amazing bits in what you just said. But what stands out to me is like that magic. It's like, how do you take stress? How do you take pressure and just flip it? And that's Mm. great leadership. And honestly, if you ever watch how Emma Hayes, what she says before games, what she says after games, she's the type of coach that invokes that. And it's contagious. It's contagious to her players. And that's because at the end of the day, she steps out in front of the team. 
And that's a powerful leader. Mm -hmm. And she does that both on and off the field. And we know how powerful it is for this team to have an advocate, not just as a coach, being the best coach in the world, but as a person leading this team and what they care about off the field as well. And Emma Hayes has shown above and beyond that she cares for her players. She cares for the women's game and she cares deeply about winning and about leaving a legacy. And those are all characteristics that to me say U.S. Women's National Team. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about, well, I keep, I keep smirking because I don't know her. So I feel (laughs) weird about calling her Emma. So I keep going like Ms. Hayes. So that is that how we should refer to her? Um, I'm not sure. Emma Hayes. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've talked about her before on our show. Uh, oh, because yeah. it during the World Cup, she um, maybe it was that people she would she announced that um, the male coaches at Chelsea have to go through this program. Um, they have to go through an anti-bias training before yep. they even interact with a player. Yep. Um, and I think it was like a running joke on the show that like anytime when we interact with a man ever, they should have to go through a training session of how <laughs> to speak to us. <laughs> uh, but it's powerful. It's yes. powerful. The, the job of the U.S. Women's National Team head coach is a heck of a big job. Yes. Because you are leading the team that symbolizes um progress and equity on behalf of women's sports globally that's mm-hmm. the job mm-hmm. and so uh we talked to jill about what that meant to her yes. about the behind the scenes work that she did fighting for us to continue to evolve as a program yes and i actually think in looking at uh the last several coaches and the iteration uh, the different iterations of the team that we've seen, I wonder how much the off-the-field pushing mm-hmm. for little marginal opportunities mm-hmm. to um, kind of outwit our opponents or be more prepared than um, mm-hmm. the competition, how much that affected success. And so much of that advocacy comes from, you know, who you are as a human, who you are as a character, but it also comes from background and what your expectations are for how an elite soccer team should be run. Um, and I think when those two things come together, uh, it, it's really powerful, and I think that 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 is what I would like to see from the U.S. Women's National Team head coach. Definitely, you said it. You said it perfectly. Um, and I would assume that all of that training would come over to every part of the staff that would be involved in in making this team successful. Oh my gosh, we could have that implemented for the U.S. Women's National Team. That would be. Yeah. So, I didn't even think of that. You know, because if we we're just like just going right and we always yeah. see ourselves as like leaders in the space but that would be so cool that's a standard and i love it the other thing that i wanted to bring up that is really interesting is the timing of all this that's kind of where you started mm-hmm. um i think that i read that the other candidate that was at the top was tony and that um it was a requirement from u.s soccer that the coach live in the united states um which is interesting. I'm not sure I fully understand why that's a top priority. If yeah. you, I just feel like get the best coach, right? Yeah. Um, and there's very little flaw that people are finding in a potential Emma Hayes hire. But the one thing that I can't wrap my mind around is a May start for this job. Yes. Um, it's, yeah. <laughs> Again, another Again, another facial, facial shot. <laughs> facial shot. Um, yeah, look, 
I think it's perfect for Emma Hayes. I don't think it's perfect for U.S. soccer and for the women of the national team. I think we're at this point where we have a group of players that are desperate for some leadership, are desperate for some direction in what this national team is going to look like and what these next games are and what the Olympics is going to look like. This is going to be the first Olympics for the majority of this team, their first ever Olympics. And the fact that they're going to be going into it, potentially, we're all assuming that Emma's going to stay the course at Chelsea um, until the end of the season, which means that she's the U.S. Women's National Team is going to be lost for a, a, a while longer. And oh, is that time? That's time. Extra time. Extra Put time. another five on it. <laughs> Um, for a little while longer, the U.S. Women's team is going to be going to be a little bit without direction, and I think that's going to be really tough for the group. But look, I think ultimately we're going to be sacrificing an Olympics. Let's just assume it's a wash, no Olympics for this team, and we're going to be setting our sight- sights on the next World Cup. And that's really hard, I think, for any U.S. Women's National Team fan or even player to grapple with is is this idea that um this is a long-term play because that's what it looks like she's never gonna she doesn't have the time to go into an olympics and win could the u.s women's national team still win an olympics with absolutely no coaching yeah of course and also the olympics isn't as big of a deal as the world cup um it's not as strong of a competition for a lot of reasons but ultimately it's not a good signal for the short-term development of course, correcting what I think is a team that is really lost right now. And if I'm a player, that that wouldn't feel right. Yeah, I, I have a really hard time with that. I think like where I was starting with this is like where are these differing standards coming from? Like the coach has to be committed enough to move to the United States so that what, they can watch the NWSL? Is that it? Mm. Um, because otherwise we all fly in for camp, right? Like you have to fly in for camp. Um, but it's not important enough that the job is filled now mm. because I can't wrap my mind around us going into an Olympics not to win. So mm-hmm. we're definitely going to go in to win. The players are going to be saying, yeah. starting today, we're start, we're going to win, we're going to yeah. win. But it's like developing this the development like yeah. falsehood of like not being prepared for things, but still that's not going to be acknowledged or spoken about. And so you're going to go in with the same attitude and the same expectation to bring home gold Mm -hmm. and you're not going to be prepared. And I feel like that was a situation we've already went through. And I I really don't want the team to go through that at all. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I mean, you've won two Olympic golds and that matters. Like that's on your resume for the rest of your life. And, you know, there will be a player or two that this will be their only world championship. Yeah. That's just how it goes. And to just like say that's a wash like I have a really hard time with that I think it goes against the culture of the U.S. women's national team and I think it's very confusing as a player to imagine a world where U.S. soccer is thinking that yeah I mean U.S. soccer is basically saying hiring Emma Hayes is more important than the Olympics that's what they're saying with this with the timing so I guess I mean the truth is we'll see we'll see who the coach the coaches we'll also see what the timing is um, I don't think it's a job you can really do uh, part time, but for for the next seven I mean, months. Che- but- honestly, Chelsea's not going to want that either. Yeah, they're not going to want that distraction. They have big ambitions this year. She still has a trophy that she has yet to win that she's going to want to win, which is Champions League with them. Um, that's going to take full focus, and I think both parties 
and look, that's probably what's being heavily negotiated as well as a really adequate salary that's deserving of the job. Yeah, we'll, well see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, and I think no matter what, it's exciting times. It's it's us talking about the future instead of the past, so I like that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the end of the daily discussion. So now it's time for everybody's favorite segment, community questions. Um, oh, look at you, just really embracing it. If you know, you know. I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> um, but... Thank you all for submitting your questions. I'm pretty sure 90 minutes before we started filming, Tobin popped this question in and we had almost 100 responses right away. So plenty to choose from. So thanks to all of our members for being so freaking engaged. Our members are awesome. They're the best. Um, So I will start because I'm doing this from memory. Lauren asks... Oh, this is a first. What is your favorite reality television show? So I don't know if this is reality television because I always think of like kind of trashy television as <laughs> yeah, reality yeah. TV. But um, I'm a huge um, Great British Baking Show fan. <gasps> I didn't know that. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> for so many reasons, I think it's the most wholesome thing that you can find on TV. Honestly, I, I always think and this is kind of like a different culture, I guess. But if this show existed in the U.S., it would be like, bum, 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 bake, like the Great British Baking Show. like, And like <laughs> people would be like like killing each other to, to win like whatever. And like it's so funny because at the end of the day, they just win this like, you know, plat- platter. <laughs> You know, but like, and they, they're helping each other. They're like 10 seconds and they're like running around helping each other is the most wholesome thing in TV. Okay. I will say that lately they have got a little risque on their jokes. They always like, they're, they're always a little <laughs> wholesome-ish. Wholesome-ish. But, but I just love it. It makes me feel so good. It makes me believe in humanity. It makes me believe in like the best of people. And like, it's just so simple. Like it feels like life is so simple there oh. in the tent. It's so great when we see someone like struggling and then a different baker comes running over to like help them. Oh my gosh. Like it's just like mind blowing for us as like American competitors. And and then when they <laughs> and then when they win, they win uh uh like Star Baker or something and they call their family and they're like <laughs> I want Star Baker and like they're crying. Their family's like so proud of them and I'm like What world is this? What world is this? Can we go? Um, anyways, great, great TV show. Jillian asked, Kristen, you posted a photo of Tobin washing the car. Do you help out? Oh, Jillian. <laughs> Little do you know that I wash the cars. And there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. First of all, our cars are notoriously filthy. <laughs> and um, secondly, we we're looking into blue zones um and blue zones for those that don't know are areas in um the globe where they have the highest population of people that live over a hundred um and no not really trying to live to over a hundred that's not the goal but it's to live vibrantly Mm. and something that was really interesting was um, this concept of moving freely and in a lot of these places they don't rely so heavily on um, help and tech 
and um, all the perks that we have that we think are so great. They sweep their own floors and they wash their own cars and they walk up and down the stairs a bunch. And like those types of movements actually help with your body having range of motion and um, being well. Um, Sadly, I, I found out that elite sports is pretty much not good for you um but you know we're, we're gonna try to balance this out with a little elite sports little and a little washing. car wash um yeah and I, I just think it's so funny because there's just like these assumed like things that like I would be washing the car oh yeah which are just so common that- misconceptions there's a lot there's a lot we, in our we can get into that <laughs> Uh, later, but I don't drive the cars. I do wash the cars. Thank you all for submitting your questions. I hope that that was as lovely and enjoyable as you all want it to be. What's happening this week in membership and at Reink? Well, mostly the same things as last time because it's only two days later. <laughs> um, there's this episode that's dropping. There is an NWSL meetup with our re-team and our members in San Diego on Saturday. Join membership to get all the details. That's going to be fun. We have some cool things to hang out, uh, to hand out, and there's going to be a little pregame tailgate. Uh, plus, our team is like really, really cool and fun. So we hope that you all get to meet them and enjoy it. And then, really importantly, we have a big collection dropping next week. Reimaginers United, as Tobin is currently wearing. Um, one article from that collection, which we're extremely proud of, and we can't wait for you all to learn more about the campaign and the concept and see all the beautiful garments. Amazing. And then uh, get your community questions in because we will be recapping the NWSL championship game. Very soon. Very soon. This is a rapid fire recap show NWSL edition where we just like continue to recap and then we recap the recap. Yeah, I love it. The NWSL is wild. NWSL after dark, the recap show after dark. (laughs) After dark. (laughs) Thank you all. See you next time.